Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your CJ Cup Megapod featuring breaking news. We'll get to that in a second. Here to join me, breaking it all down, Kyle Porter is here. KP, new day, new room for you. New day, new house, new room. My kids uh, think that we, I think they think that we're the J, the the Day family, Jason Day, just traveling around in a, we don't have an RV, but that's what it feels like, just touring the country. Uh, I wish it was the, I wish it was like January, February. We could just tour the West Coast, see some PGA Tour stops. Um, but yeah, I'm ready to talk CJ Cup, fun couple of weeks, Masters a month away. I'm fired up. And Mark Immelman, who, big surprise. Is that a golf course? Hey, Mark. It's not a golf course. Hold on. If it's it's not a golf course, if you want to precursor to oh, what Georgia go. looks like in the fall, I'm here at the Columbus State Golf Facility, and you can see it's going just a little brown. Check that. Not a cloud in the sky. It's a very dry month, October. So uh, beautiful outside right now. It's sort of in the early 80s, low 80s. So weather perfect for golf courses right now. So uh, yeah, actually with my team, they're practicing, but obviously with you guys for a bit. Well, much appreciated. Uh, let's jump into this. We tried to record this uh, about a half an hour ago, and there was a little bit of breaking news. We kind of pulled the fire alarm. Dustin Johnson tests positive for COVID-19. He withdraws from the CJ Cup. That's the big news. That's the big surprise. Tony Finau also out. Uh, he tested positive prior to the Shriners and did not play last week either. Uh, KP, we'll start with you. Dustin Johnson, number one player in the world. He was the the favorite to win this week. And now uh, I suppose his preparation towards the masters is kind of up in the air. Yeah. You know, I, I was talking to uh, somebody this week who's covering Houston and I think, I think he's committed to Houston or at least was planning on playing. So he's got, you know, of all the guys that not, not a lot of guys are going to play Houston, you know, maybe, maybe Kepka, I think uh, maybe Phil, he usually does. So he's got that to fall back on a little bit, but yeah, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not ideal. I guess if there's one guy where you're like, Hey, he could just show up and win the masters DJ would be up there. Um, but you know, it's kind of a bummer. We're on a little bit of a run now after two or three months of like freedom from a lot of the COVID stuff. You had Scheffler at the U S open Finau was probably the biggest name to date last week and now DJ this week. I mean, you know, I, I think it won't get as much attention as maybe it would. Like if, if the best player in the world in basketball got COVID, if the best player in the world in football got COVID, it would be a, a really big deal. It won't get that attention in golf, but it is a big deal. And I think it's a big deal because he had symptoms. He went to the tour and said, hey, this is how I'm feeling. 
Um, so it's not an asymptomatic thing. So I think there's a little bit more, more, you, you kind of pause and you're like, okay, you know, how, how's this going to go over the next few weeks? Hopefully he'll be ready to go for the masters. Cause you don't want, that's the thing that I keep thinking about with this stuff is like, who's going to, who's going to have to be out for Augusta. Who's going to have to be. And, and thankfully we only had one or two of those for the first two majors. But if Rory's out for the masters, if JT's out for the masters, that that's where it would be a, a really big bummer for one of the bigger events. Yeah, I, I think there's so many things I want to talk about here. Um, so, Mark, to Kyle's point, uh, the symptoms is interesting. You know, I, I couldn't think of another positive test. Maybe Nick Watney, one of the first ones where uh, the golfer was yeah. actually experiencing symptoms. And then also, I mean, you're out there, Mark. You you understand the responsibility of, as golfers do every week, protecting the rest of the field, protecting everybody else that's out there dustin johnson from what we understand felt maybe a little ill goes and gets a test that's what he's supposed to be doing right that's him doing his job protecting the field and protecting everybody else that's out there absolutely um i the the uh the the, the thing that that sort of jumps out to me out of all of this because i just found out the news as you guys did too is that obviously when the player steps out of the pga to a bubble so to speak you know, you got to be a little, you got to keep yourself, you know, isolated as far as possible too, because when you get back to normal life, especially if you're down in Florida or Georgia where I am, where states are sort of open for business, you know, anything's likely to happen. And so you bring up a good point about the McElroy's and that sort of crowd of the world, because I'm sure this now will be a bit of an eye opener to them to say, hold on, you know, COVID is still around, COVID is still real, and I need to do the very best not just to protect the field, but to make sure that I'm good to go. So um, you, you never ne- really know where you're likely to pick this up. I mean, we've just had two kids on my team that went to uh, a little get-together with the, uh, the soccer team a couple of days ago, and two of them uh, were exposed to someone with COVID. So there's a mandatory 14-day uh, quarantine they have to undergo, even though they have not been tested. So so, so once you step out of the tour bubble, you've got to be a little careful. Um, I don't know personally when DJ arrived in uh, Vegas, um, and I don't know if this was the the arrival test because you get it tested when you arrive and when you leave, or whether he tested, then wasn't feeling well and he got tested again. So, you know, that's up in there and I'd have to find out more. But the one thing, again, that comes to me, to, comes to the forefront of my mind is that you know, the tour are doing a good job of maintaining the safety of the players and the players are doing a good job while they're out on tour. But the onus is on, you know, someone like myself who works in the tour, someone, obviously the players, the media, all that sort of stuff to make sure that when they are away from the PGA tour, they still do the right thing. So it's sad news for the event, And, and certainly it's big news given that DJ is the current world number one and arguably, you know, one of the best players in the world right now. Yeah, um, KP, I'll, I'll let you put a bow on this. We'll move on to Shadow Creek and everything else we've got going on. But uh, I was on HQ with Doug Bell a few minutes ago, and he made a good point. Like, a lot of these guys haven't played since the U.S. Open, so they've been, you know, quote-unquote, outside the bubble. They haven't been being tested every single week. A lot of them might not be on the charter. So uh, now that a lot of these bigger names are returning and entering in the quote-unquote bubble again, it seems like this might've been more likely than other weeks. Obviously it's never great to hear, but it kind of makes more sense this week that a lot of guys are returning. Yeah. I don't know that DJ was social. I mean, can you social distance on a boat that's like 20, (laughs) 30 feet long or whatever? Didn't he buy, I heard he bought uh, Michael Jordan's old boat. Is that true? Uh, I don't know. You're the boat insider. You'd have to let us know. (laughs) I'm I'm your your boat guy. 
You were sitting uh, on the dock of the bay last week when we had this podcast, <laughs> so you're the guy. Yeah, well, that's true. That's a good point. I was out there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And I think that, you know, I, I thought I think Mart brings up a really good point. I kind of wrote about this in, in the newser that I just wrote about DJ of, like, this, this is going to be for your Rory's, your JT's, your – you know, the guys that the ROMs that only you, you okay, you're like, I, I have X number of shots at Augusta. I really, really, really don't want to ruin one because I contract COVID and I'm asymptomatic. It, it would just suck. Like, that would be a sucky way to not get to play a Masters. And so I think this is definitely for those guys going to be like a just a kind of a, a signal of like, you know, next month, get, you kind of got to lock it down. And mm. I think they will, you know, and, and especially the big names. I just don't – I don't think that there's any risk worth taking over the next month to keep you from playing what's going to be one of the most unique majors and unique masters of all time. Certainly is. Uh, okay, we're going we're gonna to hard pivot here to Shadow Creek and the CJ Cup. It is still, even now, without Dustin Johnson, without Tony Finau, a very strong field. Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, just to name a few. The sponsors' invite list is a phenomenal list. I mean, Tommy Fleetwood, Ricky Fowler, Sergio Garcia, that man Jordan Spieth, Brooks Kepka. How is Brooks in on a sponsor's ex- exception? How is he not in this field already? Well, how is how – is, uh, I don't understand how Fowler and Fleet, Fleetwood's like the 14th-ranked golfer in the world. I don't trust this list, Producer Jacob. He's furiously typing. He's giving me a look of he doesn't, he doesn't know where he well, got it. Well, well, you have to bear in mind that when the CJ Cup was over in Korea, there was stuck qualifying um, criteria, and there were players from the Asian Tour, if memory serves, that, that, that were part of the invitation list. So I can see why because there was – as far as I'm – understanding maybe a co-sanctioned event with the Asian tour, maybe a tri-sanctioned event too. So with that being said, there are uh, spots that are held for players from uh, different tours. So I think that's brought to bear over there. Interesting. Uh, Well, Well, Tommy Fleetwood is, hold on. Tommy Fleetwood's (laughs) exempt for every tournament in the world, except the CJ cup. That seems crazy. It's called a co-sanctioned event, man. The, the, yes. Like, like yeah. when they play events in the South African and European tours, you know, the South African tour gets a so, so many number of players from their tour that are members that can get in. Same thing happens down in Australasia. The same thing happens in South America a little bit. When you bring the PGA tour in, you bring some of the names, but then you protect your, your, your members. And so, you know, it's a great way for the tours to get world ranking points for their players and the great way for those tours to, to sort of gin up sponsorship and attention to the tour as well. But how do you qualify? If you're ranked 16 in the world and you can't qualify for an event, who, how do you even qualify? Now that I don't know. I'd have to see what, what the exemption criteria are, but I, but I know that there were certain spots held for you know, certain players. Producer Jacob is right on this. I don't know how. I, I agree. I don't know how some of these guys weren't already exempt. But anyway, the big story, Brooks Kepka back in action. Obviously, hasn't played since the Wyndham Championship. He's been, I mean, we're a year now. I think he's been dealing on and off with the knees, gone through a couple of rounds of rehab. And KP, this is the quote that might not sound very good. Uh, quote from Brooks Kepka: It's not a full tear. But there's definitely a tear there. If cortisone doesn't work and it actually gets worse, it'll be surgery and you're out for nine months. Your thoughts? Well, it, you know, we talked about this a little bit before. I brought this up, I think it was last December, about, hey, we worry about the Kepka knee thing. And 
kind of the consensus at the time. I was on, I think it was on the No Laying Up podcast, and and we were kind of all like, uh, I don't know, not really. Like he's had stuff in the past. He had the wrist thing, you know. He he kind of bounces back from stuff, and here we are, almost a year later, and nothing has changed. I I, I guess my my deal with Kepka is, you know, he talks about. I saw he had a quote about like, hey. I feel so much better now, way better than I did at the start of 2020. And it's like, well, man, you told me you felt great at the start of 2020. So I, I don't, I can't like really buy into anything that he is saying at the moment because I don't know how the first round's going to go. I don't know how the first event's going to go. I, I just, I'm kind of out on his short and long term future because of this knee thing. That's not a, that's not a slight at his skill set or, you know, kind of where he's at. He's just, he can't get everything properly aligned health wise. And therefore his game is just, it's just not that good right now. Well, to that, uh, I mean, I was the guy on this podcast that when I was out on tour, I was sort of getting the Brooks Kepka insight because if you guys remember at one stage, the knee was sort of the news Brooks's knee. And, and what was the state of the stuff? And he told me to my face and, and I'll stand by this to my grave that he's like, I feel good. The golf swing feels good. The preparation has been good. But I've mentioned before, and, and this sort of springs to mind, Kyle, as you make the point that you do, is that his technique and the way he plays with that really strong shot club face, he has to use that front leg really, really hard. And there's a lot of talk that he places on that thing. So perhaps he was feeling good, and perhaps a partial tear, which was healing, got aggravated while he was playing in the return to the PGA Tour from the COVID lockdown. So... I don't know so much, and I'm sort of with you. Like, if he's telling us one thing and then something else is happening, it's it's all very confusing. The one thing I do hope, though, and it's something I always hope for these guys, is, you know, injury. At one stage, people were conceding four, five, six, seven, eight majors to Brooks Kepka the way he was playing. Now, all of a sudden, his future's up in question. So it's it, once again, is to me, is emblematic of, you know, how fickle this can be and how guys that are athletes like this that go at the speed, that hit the ball, whatever the yardages they are, hitting the ground at 100-plus mile an hour multiple times a day, I mean, something's got to give. And joints like wrists, knees, um, elbows to a certain extent, sometimes shoulders, this becomes a thing. And, and so I'm hoping for Kepka that there's a quick resolution here because a forward knee, you know, that's like a football player. You're going to that knee at the speed he is. You know, there's always going to be that seed of doubt in the future, even when he's healed. Didn't didn't he? Wasn't there a hip thing too? Didn't that come no. out this? Well, I, I don't know, but I, I can imagine so. You know, if you're having knee issues, the human body is a beautiful thing. So if the knee's off, something's going to compensate for that, and the next thing in line would be the hip. So I could believe it if it was. I, I guess it's one thing to be like, you know, he's, he's mentioning they're just, they're shooting it up with cortisone. He see, sees how, seeing how well it's going to go. It's one thing to take that quote just on itself, but KP now we're at the point where we've heard him say, uh, I'm not sure if it'll ever be a hundred percent again. It hurts when I walk downhill and if it actually gets any worse and this cortisone doesn't work, it's surgery and I'm out for nine months. When Like when you look at it, like, and, he, and he's a very honest guy, but he doesn't always give you everything. Like, those are three quotes from him. Like, I'm I'm scared. Yeah, and producer Jacob just confirmed that he has a torn labrum in his hip, which I believe is the same injury that Gary Woodland talked about at uh, the U.S. Open at Wingfoot that he has. So you, you, you kind of wonder. So there's a couple of things going on here. One is the Kepka thing of, like, when you have that many different things and the way that he's talking about it, I don't know. It just, it feels like the surgery thing is inevitable. I, I'm with Mark. I hope not. Like that would suck because Brooks, 
Brooks playing at the highest level is phenomenal for the sport because he brings this just attitude that nobody else really brings. He's just a very, he's very specific, unique attitude that nobody else really has. And that causes, that clashes with a lot of other people. And that, that's fun. And that's great. The other thing that's going on here, I think is, I think you're seeing some of the, and there's always been injuries in golf, but maybe you're seeing some of the effects of swinging it, uh, 140 miles an hour or, or whatever the, whatever these guys club head speed is. Um, and, and, and you do start to wonder like, not to take it back to Bryson, but what is sustainable in the long term for how hard these guys are swinging? Now guys have always swung hard. Maybe I'm, maybe that's a little, uh, maybe I'm overstating that a little bit, but with the, with the Kepka stuff, with the, with the, uh, Woodland stuff at the U S open, you just, I don't know. That's something that I kind of think about along the way with, with, not just where this is going, but how long some of these guys' careers will actually be. Well, that's that, that's a heck of a point. And just quickly to that, you know, back in the day, a necklace used to sling the club a little bit more. There'd be more swing of the club, like a Shane Lowry, for argument's sake. Or Rory has that too. Where a bunch of the clo- the bowed wrist guys, the closed club face guys, like a DJ and a Brooks, and, and uh, even Morikawa to a certain extent, they have to use the torque of their body, so they move the club more than what they swing it freely. And the free swingers, the Sam Sneeds, the Phil Mickelsons, they're more injury averse to me. It's if you're rotating real hard and you're putting a bunch of torque on your forward side, that's what starts to put pressure on one is the first thing. And then you reference Rick that, 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 that when he complains about walking downhill. Well, look, Shadow Creek and this week, that's important to me. But a few weeks' time in Augusta National, there are some wicked hills you've got to walk down in that place there. I think of 10. I think of 11 down the hill. I think of two down the hill. I mean, six walking down the hill on that par three, that is just bananas how steep it is. So if this is a guy who's battling with a left knee on downhill walks, four or five rounds around that place, that'll do you in, man. I assume this is not the last we are going to hear from Brooks Kepka or the last we are going to talk about that knee, unfortunately. So we'll keep a close eye on it this week. Kyle, you and I are going to move forward with matchups, expert picks, one and done and best bets. Mark, we're going to say thank you to you. We're going to let you go. Thanks for joining us. See you guys. I'm going to text my matchups because I want to continue this little run. So you guys do your best. Okay. All right. We'll try to keep up. Uh, We'll be back after these words. And we're back. All right, KP, you and I moving forward on the rest of this episode. We're going to jump right into matchups. we got to figure out a way to catch Mark. We can't not let him win another week. So we're going to jump right into this. Justin Thomas, minus 125 versus Rory McIlroy, plus 105. It's a couple of big boys. Yeah, I'll go with Rory just because of the value. Rory's kind of had a sneaky, decent run. He's top 12 in each of his last three uh, what would that be? Uh, BMW Tour Championship, U.S. Open, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see the the video the PJ Tour posted on of his uh, driving range session on Monday or no, Tuesday? No, I didn't. What was it? I don't. I I, I shouldn't get worked up about you know driving range heroes, um, but the swing looked unbelievable. I mean, it just looked. Maybe I'm just tired of Bryson trying to you know hit Albert Bell like home runs and. <laughs> I just need some some Rory smoothness, but okay. So if if Bryson is Albert Bell, does that make Rory like Griffey Jr.? For sure, Rory is like a is sweet. Junior. Yeah, yeah, love it. Ooh, love we it. should we should you and I need to get deep on this. <laughs> we need to do the uh, cross sport comp swings. 
<laughs> Who would be? Uh, I think the interesting one would be like a. Uh, I have one for you. Like a Manny, Manny Ramirez. That's good. How about this one? First one that came to mind: uh, Daniel Berger, Hunter Pence. How about yeah? That? That's that's really good. Yeah, just like that really awkward down kind of low type thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's solid. I, I wonder if uh, I'm trying to think of somebody like DJ who's just really long, and um, I'm trying to think if who had a really long. The, the, the producer Jacob's gonna kill us. No, this will be this will be uh, this will be some off season content. Um, I'm gonna take Justin Thomas here. I'm gonna take the favorite. He's just phenomenal from T to green. We know what he does in these no cut events. Nine of his 13 career PGA Tour titles in such events, and I have a really good stat for him that I'm actually going to save for later, but I'll take JT in this matchup. Next up, Patrick Cantlay, plus 110, had a bit of a disappointing Sunday at the Shriners last week against Xander Shoffley, minus 137. Kyle, what say you? Uh, I say that Jordan Spieth is Ichiro, just slaps it around all over the place. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Xander here, foreshadowing for my future picks. Um, he's just been, if you look at some of the data golf stuff on his numbers over the last three months, six months, he's been arguably the best player in the world. And uh, I thought Cantley was great the first three rounds, obviously, last week. He was disappointing on Sunday, man. I, I, not that he didn't win, but just to go out and shoot 73 in those conditions with that field it was just that was a disappointment so i'm gonna go xander here cantley was bogey free like 28 consecutive holes or something from i guess it would have been friday into saturday then he bogeys four of his first six on sunday to play himself it was weird out. it was weird. yeah it was weird um, I also took Xander. Uh, I believe he's got nine consecutive top 25s, obviously in a field of 78. You're looking for a little bit better this week. But if Justin Thomas is the king of no-cut events, Xander Shoffley is the prince of yep. no-cut events, three of his four PGA Tour titles in such events. And uh, he's got that shadow leaderboard victory at the Tour Championship. So I also took Xander as well. He's got a shadow leaderboard victory. Now he needs a shadow creek leaderboard victory. Oh, <laughs> professional stuff over here. (laughs) Uh, Okay. This is really interesting. We've gotten to the point where two of the studs from this, you know, big three, Colin Morikawa, Matthew Wolf in a matchup. And I think this is the first time we've seen Matthew Wolf be the favorite. He's minus 125 against Colin Morikawa's plus 105, Kyle. Yeah, I'm going with Wolf. More, more, uh, more to come on him here in a little bit with me, but He's number 12 in the world. How about that? We talked about that on Sunday. I said he would move up to, I think, 16 or something like that. He's number 12 in the world. And the numbers back it up. I mean, it's a tiny sample size, but in eight rounds this year, I think he's second behind Bryson in terms of strokes gained overall. Obviously, you're just looking at U.S. Open and Shriners. I just, I think he's the kind of guy that you might get more consistency overall out of Morikawa over the course of a season, but you're going to get these three, four, five tournament stretches where Wolf is just out of his mind. And I think he's kind of in the middle of one of those right now. Uh, Producer Jacob and I were talking before we went live about Matthew Wolf, and I'm really torn on him, like from a betting perspective, because I think you are paying a real premium for him right now, right? He's coming off back-to-back second place finishes. He's phenomenal. He's now a favorite over Colin Morikawa. I think you're paying a premium, but I've also been, he is the hardest guy to model because his game is getting 
significantly better every time he plays. Like he's, he's, he's beating the model faster than anybody than I can even put it together. Um, so I'm trying to weigh that. I, I took Colin Morikawa here cause I didn't want to pay the premium. I think that he played well enough last week. He missed the cut. Like he was like five or six under and, and missed the cut. But what Matthew Wolf is doing and the trajectory that he's on long-term is like, I'm, I'm stunned. It's phenomenal stuff. I can't wait to see. Yeah, it is. And I, I'm curious, I'm going to look up his, cause data golf has this really cool, like projections thing of, uh, like what's your career, like how it's going to go. And, you know, for part of it, it doesn't play out until like you turn a, another age. So until he's 22, he won't have his entire 21 year old season or 21 year old year. So I'm interested to see when he does turn 22, what, what's the trajectory for him? Cause that's such a young age. Again, we keep going back. We talk about him, talk about uh, Neiman and talk about Sungjae. They're, they're younger than like you're envisioning a young player being, Right. And I'm, I'm really curious to see what the comps are for him, whatever he turns, once he gets through that entire 21-year-old year. Terrell Hatton coming off his victory on the European tour, flying over to face Hunter Pence, Daniel Berger. Uh, Berger's plus 100, Terrell Hatton minus 120. This one's tough. You, you kind of have to weigh in. Uh, does it matter that he's flying back from overseas? Does it matter that he he won last week for Hatton? He's won three times in his last 13 starts. That's pretty I know. Uh, where are you headed in this one, KP? Uh, I think I'm. This feels a little suckery, like to go with Hatton, but I I can't help myself. I don't think I, I just I love his game. He he his percentage of winning is just it's astonishing. I mean, three times is a lot in and of itself, but he's only started like twelve or thirteen events, right? Yep. And so that that winning percentage is is. Uh, it's really good. So I'm going to go with Hatton over Berger, although I'll probably regret that come the weekend. I also, I tried to be the smartest guy in the room and I went with the same, I was like, okay, I really like Hatton here, but am I a sucker if I do that? So then I just switched and took Burger. I, I don't, I, I don't, I just didn't want to be strategy. the sucker. Yeah. <laughs> you, I, you might, I might not be, I might be, I don't know, but I mean, Burger's floor is pretty high. Just trying to beat one other golfer uh, seems pretty good to me. Tommy, Fleetwood, minus 114 versus Sung J M minus 116. I'll go first here. I've been obviously very high on Sung J. He was third in the field in strokes gained T to green last week at the Shriners. It was his best T to green week since the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And before that, the Honda Classic. He finished first, first at Honda. He finished third at the API. Uh, I might declare Sung J back for the second or third time, but I'll take him here in a matchup over Tommy Fleetwood. I'll go with Fleetwood. Uh, he had a nice little two-week run after missing the the, the U.S. Open cut. Uh, he finished second at the Scottish Open, lost in a playoff there. Mm. And then I think that was a playoff, wasn't it? It was. No, you're right. Yeah. yeah. And then he finished in the top 20 at the BMW PGA, which is a you know one of the better European tour events. So I don't know. I, I could be talked into either. I'll, I'll go with uh, I'll go with Fleetwood just to go against you though. Smart idea. I was 0 for 6 two weeks ago. Um, Harris English uh, plus 100 over or not over versus Victor Hovland minus 120. What like we've it's been Morikawa. It's been Wolf. I feel like we've spent a lot of oxygen on them. There's still uh, Victor Hovland hanging around here. Yeah, Victor Hovland, you know, I think he suffers from just not having one, which another fellow Oklahoma State player suffers from <laughs> sometimes um his numbers are great though like if you look at the strokes gain stuff especially from t to green it's not 
I think it's a little buoyed by the fact that he came out of the gates really hot in June and July. That stretch he had where it was like uh, the two events at Mirfield Village and there was one or two others in there was just, it was incredible. So there, I think there's a little bit of that going on. Um, but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Harris English. He he has really quietly been like a top fifteen type guy in the world and I, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's value there because I think we're just not. Hoblin's th- obviously sexier because he's younger. He's got you know the, the the trajectory, all this stuff. But I don't know. I, I think I think English is probably the better overall player right now. And and when you can get that get that kind of value at plus one hundred versus minus one twenty, I think you take it. I also took English, and and I agree with you. The all around game is phenomenal. He missed the cut last week, which closed out. Uh, it was one of the longest active cut streaks on the PGA tour. I think he was at eight or nine before last week. And he shot a 68, 69. Like imagine being five under in two rounds on the PGA tour and not making the cut. Like I- I'm okay to just buy back in on Harris. But, but don't, don't you, I mean, don't you kind of like it when, a, when somebody's missed a cut the week before? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, I think, that, I think <laughs> Mark, Mark would be hollering at us right now, but I, I think, I think for, for betting purposes, I, I think that it, it, it works. It, it can work to your advantage because some of that stuff, I mean, like you, you're a shot away from finishing T12 or whatever, right? Like if you go out and shoot 65, 64 on the weekend, which he could have done. So I, I don't know. I, I don't get super worked up about the miscut thing, especially in a good field. Yeah. I mean, Matthew Wolf was eight under through two rounds. So the cut was seven under he was eight under and he finished, he, he got into a playoff. Like anything can happen if you make the cut. And we've seen that time and time again on the PGA tour. I don't know if Harris English has the ability to go out and shoot a 61 and, and fly up the leaderboard on Saturday. But like, yeah, I don't think this is a big deal at all. So last, last six months, data golf, Harris English strokes gain 1.8 per round, which is like eighth. And Victor Hovland is 1.5, which is like 13th or something. Both of them. So they're, I mean, both of those guys are right there with, you know, the Scheffler, the Wolf, the Finau, the Brom. Everybody's kind of behind, well, we'll talk about this guy in a second, Xander Berger, JT Bryson. But um, yeah, they've both been really, really good over the last six months. They certainly have. Uh, Let's move on to our picks. So we'll have to get uh, Greg's pick and Mark's pick, which I assume producer Jacob will put together. We'll tweet it out on social media, all that good stuff. So make sure to follow us everywhere at First Cut Pod for all of the picks. Uh, Let's go with sleepers for this week. And and I got to tell you, a lot of these odds have, well, I'll get I'll get the updated odds because removing Dustin Johnson from this player pool, uh, I'm sure shifts shifted everybody. Yeah, John Rahm is now the favorite at nine to one. JT's down to ten to one. So there has been a bit of movement. Kyle, let's start with our sleepers. Uh, who is your sleeper for this week? CJ Cup. Uh, I went with, with Scotty Scheffler. This number moved as well. The, the, the last time I saw it, it was forty to one, which is kind of the number that we use as a little bit of a cutoff for sleepers, quote unquote. Um, I just think there's a ton of value there because he went T37 at Sanderson, miscut at uh, Shriners last week, and and you could argue like, okay, since he's returned from the from the COVID uh, positive test, he he hasn't he just hasn't been as good as he was before. Um, I'm willing to take a flyer at 40 to one that he's just had two kind of off weeks and then he'll bounce back. I I, I think that. 
if he was 30 to one or 25, I would think differently, but at 40 or 35, I, I kind of like him as a sleeper. It's very easy to look at uh, his first start back and say, okay, he told us he was rusty. He looked rusty. He was missing everything left off the tee. Uh, we can give him a pass for that one. And then we look at last week, 69, 67, six under missed the cut. Again, I don't care. If you shoot yeah. six under the first two rounds and you get clipped by a historically low cut line, I'm, I'm cool with it. Scotty Scheffler still has a huge ceiling. I love it. My sleeper, Mackenzie Hughes, 70 to one. Uh, I'm not sure he can actually win this. I mean, historically speaking, you get a stud uh, or at least like an up and coming guy who, who wins these types of events. But what Mackenzie Hughes has done uh, is hard to ignore. Uh, you know, he's been phenomenal in terms of strokes gained when you compare it to the rest of this field. And we don't have the shot link data from uh, Corrales where he finished third. So you get a boost there. And he seems to show up in a lot of these either really deep field, tough courses. Like he just, he just finds a way. Uh, So at 70 to one, I think he's a guy that can make a bit of noise kind of like he did at the tour championship where he moved from like 26th to, seventh or whatever he did with the starting strokes. I kind of love Mackenzie Hughes. Like I, I think he's great. And I'm curious about what you think his ceiling is for, for like a career, because he, he's done this thing where he's like consistently, consistently gotten better and better every single year. And you, you, you start to, at some point, like you're not a top five guy in the world, right? You're not a top 10 guy probably in the world. So you, you, you move into the top 50 and it's like, there's a ceiling at some point, but mm-hmm. where is it? How high can you go? Like, what, what do you think about him career wise? Yeah, I, I think he's kind of close to his ceiling, quite honestly. I think maybe, like, if you want to talk about world ranking, getting into the 30s might be something he can do if he captures a win at some point. I, I would not be surprised to see Mackenzie Hughes win once every 18 months at an event that's like the RSM or Mayakoba or Houston, like something like that. Once every 18 months, he hovers around in the, in the, you know, 50 to 70 range. Maybe he gets up to the 30 in the world or 35 in the world golf rankings. I think he's as much as I love him, the way he does it with the short game, I think he's getting close to a ceiling. Uh, Data golf has his comps as Pat Perez. Okay. Uh, Kevin Stadler from 2008, uh, Scott Stallings, my guy, um, <laughs> Johnson Wagner and Kevin Tway. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, you might be right. Like he, we might be at the ceiling. I, I wish he would be, I, I, I hope he's the kind of guy that at least contends for a, a major or two. Cause that would be really cool to see him kind of get in the mix at a PGA an open something like that. Um, just cause you're, you're, when your kids use, you're not going to, you're not Rory. You're not going to go out and have like seven hacks at, at winning a, a big trophy like that. So I don't know. I just, I like McKenzie Hughes. That's all I got. Uh, we can see him at a president's cup, right? That could be cool. You still there? Yeah. You still there? Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> we'll just move on. Uh, that was a perfect time for that to drop out because we were right in between it. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Top 10 picks. Uh, Kyle, we'll start with you. You've got a very interesting name for your top 10. Yep. I got Matthew Wolf. Uh, he's two to one. Again, I just, I think he's on a heater right now. He, it feels like he's on that, you know, that run that guys get on where they'll finish like top 10, 
two or three times in a row. And then eventually they'll, they'll, they'll get a win at the end of it. And then they'll fall off for like a month. It feels like we're in the middle of that right now for him. Uh, he, he's, he's just been so good. I also like the fact that we're going to shadow Creek where no, like basically no one's played, or at least has played in tournament conditions. Uh, you know, for Wolf every week, guys that are young, you know, it's their first or second time playing a course. Now everybody's kind of in that same situation. I think it's a pretty good spot for him. Um, I, I went deeper. I went Russell Henley, who since the restart leads this field in strokes gained approach. He's the only guy averaging over a stroke per round since the restart, which is kind of surprising uh, and also impressive. And I think that, listen, I know very little about Shadow Creek. I've kind of tried to do as much research and uh, reconnaissance as possible. It looks like you, you, depending on how they set this up, you might have to be really exact with your approach shots. Um, I don't think it's going to play as long as 7,500 on the scorecard says. I think it's going to play shorter than that. And they can put some of these pins in spots where if you're not exact, I think you could be in trouble. So I, I like Henley as an approach player. Do you feel like Henley is a, like a sucker top 10 guy every week, every time he plays? What do you mean? Like I'm a sucker? Well, it's just, I just – like you start looking at like sleeper guys and you, it's always – I always land on Russell Henley. Yeah. That's because you always you you like the ball strikers as you should. Yeah, and it, but I just like does he finish in the top ten as much as I think that he's going to finish in the top ten? I don't think he I don't think he does. Don't don't look this up. Okay, do you know how many times he's finished in the top ten in his last eight starts? I think like three. Three, that's pretty good. Two of his last yeah. four and three of his last eight. Yeah, that is good. It now is good. It's, it's obviously a deeper field, but there's only 78 players in it. So, Well, and half of them are from like the, the Sunshine Tour Order of Merit or whatever. Yeah, when we were on break, producer Jacob actually went through the exemptions, and it is wild stuff who gets in and out of this thing. And there's like 18 guys from the uh, Korean Tour of Merit or whatever that get into this event. So, yeah, I mean, he just has to have like a decent week to finish in the top 10, right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. This is the argument for like why JT is going to win. Well, we'll get to him in a second. Why he's going to win like six masters. Cause these tiny fields and these guys just can, can, you don't have to deal with your, uh, you know, your Cinderella stories that are shooting 20 under for the week. Yeah. Um, I let's, let's do it. Justin Thomas, my pick to win. I got him at 12. Uh, now the line has moved because of the Dustin Johnson news. He is 10 to one as we record this. I don't think I need to explain this too much. I mean, you think he's going to win 25 times or whatever in the next, however many years, I just think he's absolutely phenomenal. I think that, Oh, this was the stat that I had for him. Uh, well, prior to the odds change 12 to one, was the I could only find one other time in the last three years where he was longer at a no cut event. So if you process that, you know, the five or yeah. six no cut events that he plays every year, he was always seven to one, eight to one, ten to one. He was twelve to one previously, now back down to ten to one. And I said the value's too much. He's flying under the radar a little bit with how good DJ's been, how good John Rahm has been. I'm I'm taking JT. He's my pick to win. What do you think it is about the no cut thing? I know we kind of joke about it, but it seems to be like a, is it, is it like you get into a situation where it's all the best guys and certain guys are just like, yeah, I'm the best of all the best guys. Is that, is it as simple as that? I think it's kind of a, so I don't have the numbers to back this up, but what I think it is, is especially guys with really 
high one round ceilings. Yeah. JT. I mean, even like, I don't know, like a Hideki Hideki's won a couple of WGCs, right? Like if you can shoot a 61 or a 62 in one round uh, and you get, now you get four guaranteed cracks at it instead of two guaranteed cracks at it. I, I think it's a big deal. And these guys that can just make a bunch of birdies, seem to figure out a way, but I, I assume KP, a lot of it is mental where he's like, you know, you're not, you're not, not that these guys are playing for the cup. But you're not even thinking about it. It's just like, I know I've got four days out here. I'm just going to go out and attack this thing. That's kind of the wolf argument too, right? Yeah. Right. I, I think there's a great argument to be made for wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going, I'm going with the other guy that loves <laughs> no cut events, which is Xander Shafa. You know, you look at, Again, I, I go back to his numbers on uh, data golf, the true strokes game. The last three months, he's number one in the world. He's at 2.46. DJ's at 2.44. I mean, you think about how good DJ has been over the last three months, and Xander's numbers, they played the same number of, of events, eight events for each of them, and Xander's been better. And some of that's the true championship where, where DJ won, but Xander actually won. And, um, yeah, I just – I, I don't know. I might even go with him for my one and done this week. That's how that's how good I feel about where he's at. Well, I'll tell you what, we're on the same page. He is actually one of the names that I'm considering and looking at this from a one and done perspective. So this is low key a big purse. It's like nine point yeah. seven five million. It'll be the biggest uh, until Augusta. It'll be pretty big for a while. So I'm okay with kind of burning a, a bigger name here and. I, I mean, you could I, I, you could make the argument you could play Xander in so many spots. It's not like I'm saving him for, you know, I can save Rory. I can obviously now save DJ or JT or whatever, uh, Bryson. But, like, I'm comfortable burning Xander in a really good spot with a massive purse. I think I think strategically that's a good one. I, the saving Rory thing, it's like, what are, you, what are you saving him for? You know, like, I, I don't. I guess chip that was, although we don't know if we're going to do Jeopardy style again, um, <laughs> according to producer Jacob, like, like when you, when you say I'm saving Rory, what do you, what do you envision saving him for? So when I say I'm saving Rory, my, I'm saying that cause I'm assuming people are saving him for Augusta. That, that, that is what people save Rory for. Um, but I, is that, I, is that even a good play? I I like to be one step off. So like if, if if everyone wants to use Rory at Augusta, I want to use Rory at like a WGC event, right? Right. Yeah. Just something like this. Something where Mexico. Be, yeah. Right. Something where it's going to be a short uh, a short field. Mexico would be great because the ball is going to fly a million miles. He already hit like it's it 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 lends right into his game. Like that's what I would be saving Rory for. But I know the public saves Rory for one of two spots: Augusta or wherever the Open Championship is. Do you think they'll have to move the Mexico event with Bryson next year? <laughs> Why? Because he's just going to like – he'll, okay. <laughs> he'll be hitting it like off the property. <laughs> It'll be insane. The strokes gained off – because the numbers are so skewed there. The strokes gained off the team numbers at, at, at Chapultepec are always absolutely bonkers. Yeah, I can't wait to see what he does there. He, he, will, only, he will not have a strokes gain approach number. He will only have <laughs> off the tee and around the green. Did we figure out it? Did we ever figure out if they fixed that week at like Rocket Mortgage where he like broke the system? God, that was so crazy. I, I was like, what's going on here? And then I finally realized what it was. And it was, I mean, we were, we had already been joking about how he broke off. And I, I don't know. I, it's been interesting to hear. There's been a lot of conversation around 
you know, and we talked about it briefly, but the Fitzpatrick, uh, Bryson stuff, even, even, you know, to, to today, to Tuesday, whatever it is of, of the week after. And I just think that, you know, I did five storylines for Augusta one month out. We're one month, well, we're like 30 days from the first round of the Masters. And to me, that's the number one story. And, you know, I think that, I think another big story is is the way that guys prepare for the Masters. That's something that people wanted to know a lot about. Um, like Kepka this week and, and DJ now, you know, with, with some of his stuff going on. But, I mean, do you, do you agree that Bryson is the number one storyline going to the Masters? I wish he wasn't. Actually, I don't, I don't care. I, I'm fine with him being the storyline. But, like, yes, I think it is very obvious that he is the story. I think when you get – and here's the, here's the litmus test. When all of your peers are talking about you, you're the story. It's not us. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it is us, but it's also them too. So I think it's very clear that he's the story. I think that's a that's a great point because who cares what we I mean well hopefully people care what we say but in terms of like what matters what the players say matters like what Tiger says matters if Tiger wants to talk about the RSM the week of the Masters well all of a sudden the RSM matters I don't know why he would do that I don't know why I'm even saying that but uh, I I think that's a I think that's a great call and I don't know I just I don't it seems like it's just turned into everybody hating on Bryson. And I hope that's not, that's not what it should be. It should be, a, it should be praising Bryson for what he's done. And at the same time saying, okay, is, is there something that other people, not Bryson should, should do about this? Yeah. I, I mean, that, well, we can talk about this later, but it, it is the, the Bryson, the only people, the only reason people hate on Bryson is because of his, of his demeanor. If his demeanor was that of Brooks Kepka, and if Brooks Kepka was like, yo, I'm going to get jacked and I'm going to hit bombs. And then the rest of that was just, he just went on being Brooks. Uh, everyone would love it. it. It's, it's easy to hate Bryson because but, he but rubs people. That's the why, way. Totally. Mm. I totally agree. And that's why it's become such an important, like, talking point is because it, it's almost like it, it had to happen like that to affect change. Do you think that we're going to see this week at shadow Creek to get it back on track a little bit? Uh, <laughs> like some of the, like the speed stuff from, from Rory and, and, and these guys who are, I guess DJ was one of the ones that was showing off his track man stuff. He won't be in it, but I mean, are we going to get guys that are just trying to murder the ball? Like even more so than before. It's interesting because we kind of saw this with Tony Finau too. It's one thing to do it on the range. It's another to put it in competition, uh, which guys seem a lot more hesitant to do. So I don't know if it's a couple of weeks for Rory on the range and he's ready to put it into play. I I don't know. I think, I actually think it's a mental hurdle for a lot of these guys than it is. It's, it's, I don't think it's a physical hurdle. We saw Tony Finau do it. We saw Rory get there. I think it's actually just a, a mental hurdle. Yeah. And who wants to experiment with $9 million on the line? Yeah, not not I. <laughs> um, all right, so you're one and done pick. You're I I kind of have somewhat committed to Xander. You were mentioning you're leaning in that direction. Is that is that where you're going? Yeah, probably Xander. I, I think so. I, I I mean I might talk myself into. It'd be so easy to talk myself into JT or somebody like that, but I'll I'll probably end up going with Xander. I might I might I might go with Wolf. I mean if. You know, it's an interesting spot for him because I think if he th- if you think about saving him, you, you want to get him in the middle of a heater and not like try to catch the front or tail end of it. So I don't know. 
uh, with if other people go Xander also, I might go with Matthew Wolf. I'm much I I like using Wolf in a one and done format instead of a DFS or a betting format more because I think you're paying a premium for him in places where they assign an actual value to him. But if you're just using him in a one and done and it doesn't cost you any more or any less than someone else. Like I, I actually think that's a pretty good place to deploy him. Um, yeah. I have Greg's expert picks. We're going to circle back on those and we're going to go to our best bets first. No surprise from me, Xander Shoffley. Um, you know, we can, we can say he doesn't win enough. I'm taking him to finish in the top five. It's three to one, which, um, you know, this, this will certainly backfire. feels like free money, but like that, that'll that'll backfire but i i just love this guy. <laughs> i don't know how he doesn't compete like uh, every single event that he plays well he kind of does i mean he, he has recently i'm gonna go uh justin rose to finish in the top 10 it's plus 550 um it seems dumb because we haven't seen rose pop up very much recently but he's the kind of guy that he has the talent to where like he finished t9 at the pga championship i had no idea he finished t9 at the pga championship <laughs> because we because we didn't see him, but that's the talent level of like, hey, if he's feeling good in a week, he'll top 10, and you don't even know that it happened. So right. at plus 550, I think that's a pretty decent guy to, to kind of be on to finish in the top 10, even though the recent events have not been very good. I'm hoping he can find his form because I've been sitting on like a 50 to one Justin Rose Masters ticket for like nine months or something like that. So hopefully he can I find his form. I bet it's longer than that right now. I, I I don't know. I'll, I'll look up the Masters. How many people, how many casual golf fans know that Matthew Wolf is 12 in the world and Justin Rose is 24? Zero casual golf fans. That's crazy, dude. I mean, that is really crazy. Rose is 40 right now, so I have him at 50. So I'm still in good shape, but would like it that to get a little bit shorter. Uh, here's Greg's expert picks. So hot off the presses. Greg took for his sleeper, Russell Henley. Okay, interesting. There you go. Hideki Matsuyama is his top 10 lock. That's plus 225. And his pick to win, Rory McIlroy. I've heard of him. He's pretty good at golf, I've heard. Yeah, the swing, I mean... The swing looks great. The hype would be – that was one of my other storylines for Augusta, Rory and the slam. Obviously, that's always a huge storyline. Go ahead. If Sorry. If Rory wins before Augusta, so I guess either this week or next week. Yeah. My heart. My heart. I know. It'll be so perfect. I know. I mean, it, it just it, – it. I don't know. I, I think that his, his finishes of late have been better than you would imagine they would have been if you've been paying, if you, if you even like, especially if you've been following it closely, I think three straight top 12s, he, he hasn't seemed like he's been that great, but he's been a lot better than he was coming out of the, uh, the quarantine. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I think the iron play is getting better. That's what it'll come down to. I mean, are, are, how good are you from one sixty and in and, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, for him to win the Masters this year would be an insane ending to uh, what's been just a weird, bizarre year. Let me just get a Bryson Rory final group. Like, come on! Can you can you imagine the the people uh, like the the golf Twitter world? Would anybody be rooting for Bryson? Just the people that love <laughs> love chaos, love for things to burn. Yeah, exactly right. The people who want to watch the world burn will be on Bryson. That's <laughs> uh, it. Would be that. That's that. I always do like a uh, dream final pairings. That's that's the one this year. I think has to be. The storylines yeah. are just pure. 
Absolutely for sure. Yeah. All right, KP. Much appreciated. CJ Cup Pod. We'll be back all week. Doug Bell will join us at some point, maybe Thursday, maybe Friday. I don't know, but he's at Shadow Creek. He'll be in Vegas. He'll join us later. Uh, Kyle Porter, you can find on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me on Twitter at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time.